This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to our annual end of year show. Every year has an end. Sooner or later we get around to doing the show that is the last one of the year, and that would be today. We would like to note that we did predict with some degree of confidence that the world would still be here for this show, and so it is. And we say to all of you who are just back from Chichen Itza, having gone down there to celebrate the world's end, well, hopefully among your stocking stuffers this year will have been the new Mayan calendar, which one hopes will have a life expectancy of several thousand years more. As we find ourselves here between the holidays of Christmas and New Year's, we do like to take a look back at the year that's just passed. We want to talk about science, a lot of science that took place this last year, because that's generally an up topic. And to join us in doing that, although not on today's show, because we're going to have to break this up into two parts, will be uh, Pamela Sue Taylor from Cairns, Australia. And maybe Justin from This Week in Science, we're not sure yet. Last year was a big year for science, so we're going to talk a bit about that in our second segment, but I think we'll save uh, some of that for uh, the first show of the year, which generally um, is a show where we try to look forward, but basically wind up mostly looking backward, because frankly, it's easier to look back at the past than it is to predict the future, which I guess a lot of people found out down in Chichen Itza recently. But at any rate, talking about uh, looking back, what better way to start this program than the way we usually do, which is a look back at this date in history. Not just this last year, but way back sometimes. Although when I say that, I'm not sure what our earliest entry's ever been in this particular part of the program. Gee, that's a good one. It might be the first Olympic Games, which is at uh, 776 BC. That was on July 23rd. No, wait. I think it probably was October 7th in the year 3761 B.C., when, according to Jewish tradition, God created the world. Which, you know, frankly is wrong. We know the Mayans got calendars going way back before that. But at any rate, our day in question today is December 27th. And it was on December 27th in the year 1831 that the English naturalist Charles Darwin set out from Plymouth, England, aboard the HMS Beagle on a five-year surveying expedition of the Southern Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. The voyage to such diverse places as the Galapagos Islands and New Zealand led to the development of his groundbreaking scientific work in 1859 on the origin of species by means of natural selection. On December 27, 1845, ether was first used as an anesthetic in childbirth. It was given by Dr. Crawford W. Long of Jefferson, Georgia, to his wife. And you know, some years back we talked about how we were going to look back at the controversy over the origins of anesthesia. I don't think we ever did it. Did we do it, Mr. McMillan? I believe not. Okay, well, I'll, um, that's something else to put on the 2013 calendar. Like a lot of good ideas, uh, there's a controversy in this case over who started it. On December 27th in 1927, a couple things happened. First of all, in Russia, Leon Trotsky was expelled from the Communist Party when Joseph Stalin's faction came out on top at the All-Union Congress in the Soviet Union. Although by all accounts it was Trotsky's leadership in the uh, Red versus White War in the early 1920s, which involved a lot of foreign intervention, in the end his reward to be, was to be murdered by Joseph Stalin while in exile in Mexico City. 
On a rather happier note, on the same date in the United States, the musical show, the musical Showboat, opened on Broadway. The show, with music by Jerome Kern and lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein, helped set the future direction of American musical theater. And you absolutely do know music from this show, dear listeners, such as. Old man, look at my life. I'm alive. No, no, old man river. I'm tired of living and Also on a happy note, on December 27th in 1968, the U.S.'s Apollo 8, the first manned mission to the moon, returned safely to Earth after a historic six-day journey. Anyone who was watching television in the United States a few days earlier was probably mesmerized by the live report from the astronauts as they passed above the lunar surface. Seven months later, Armstrong and Aldrin would put down on that surface. On December 27th in 1979, Afghan's communist president, Hafizullah Amin, and his family were murdered by a squad of KGB gunmen. The killing was accompanied by the movement of large numbers of additional Soviet troops into the country, beginning a costly war that would last for more than a decade and plunge Afghanistan into more than 20 years of warfare and repression. The decade-long war against Afghan guerrillas also cost the Soviet Union thousands of casualties and was a contributing factor in the ultimate disintegration of the Soviet Empire by the early 1990s. And aren't you glad the U.S. would never do something that stupid? Yes, our war in Afghanistan, currently in year 12, has a scheduled Broadway run of, I think, two more years on, on tap. And that's, of course, if there's no call for an encore by the military industry. Actually, we can't end on a downer like that. Let's see. What else can we... Um, December 27, 1945, 28 nations signed an agreement in Washington, D.C., which created the International Monetary Fund and World Bank. Ooh, bad call. All right, let's see. Uh, okay, December 27, 1904, the play Peter Pan by English author James M. Barry opened at the Duke of York's Theater in London. And no, we have no information whether the play at that time was performed by... An actual boy. I gotta say, I was a little bit perturbed as a boy seeing Mary Martin pretending to be an enchanted magical boy. There's something wrong with that. I could tell she was a grown woman. But for the most hilarious discussion ever on the subject of a production of Peter Pan, we refer you to our own archives where we played for you. I think it was last played on uh, Thanksgiving this year. The wonderful piece uh, from This American Life about how a high school production of Peter Pan went wrong in a big way. And our quote of the day, which is very apropos for the section we just completed, from Michael Crichton, is that if you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You're a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Well said. It's one reason we like to look back as we start every show. Our quip of the day, and it comes from the rather distant past, well, at least 1856, 
and this requires a bit of setup, comes from the German poet Heinrich Heine, who exited this world with quite the zinger. When Heine died, he left his entire estate to his wife on the condition that she remarry. Because, said Heine, quote, then there will be at least one man to regret my death. Which, by the way, is a perfect setup for our joke of the day, which is as follows. A man, clearly on his deathbed, calls his wife over. In a rasping voice, he says to her, Honey, I want you to promise me one thing. Wife says, What's that, dear? Guy says, After I'm gone, I want you to marry Bob. Said the wife, I thought you always hated Bob. To which the man replied, I do. And what the hell, let's do another joke. During the holiday season, around the time of Hanukkah, an elderly Jewish man was in bed, knowing that his time was short. His daughter was in attendance. The man says, Miriam, I can smell strudel. Well, said the man, this could be my last request. Could you bring me some tea and strudel? Certainly, Papa, says the girl. She returns in five minutes with a cup of tea. Where's the strudel, says the man. Said Miriam, Mama says that's for after. Our stat of the day, which fits into some things we've been talking about in this program of late, is as follows. For the first time in human history, overeating is now more of a global health threat than hunger, with more than 3 million deaths in 2010 attributable to excess body weight, which worked out to three times the death toll due to malnutrition. That's according to the medical journal The Lancet. That's one heck of a stat. How about a couple more years in? According to the Pew Research Center, 82% of Americans said they learned little or nothing about the Mormon faith during Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, which I think was planned that way. I don't know whether you went on YouTube and saw some of the uh, things that were posted by underground Mormons about some of the ceremonies with a secret handshake behind a, uh, a curtain. I don't know. It pretty weird stuff, but you may want to check that out on, uh, on YouTube sometime. The Mormon faith does appear to have some oddities to it. I understand to get into heaven, you have to say, Clautu Barada Nikto. No, that's not true. But what is true, according to Salon.com, is that households with incomes of under 13000 a year spend an average of 9% of their income on lottery tickets. I remember having an argument with a relative of Mr. McMillan some time back about how people buying lottery tickets when you're poor made good sense. That was his position. I, I took the opposite position. Excuse me, Doug, the DNA tests are not in on whether this person is actually a relative of mine. Well, he said he was a relative. Well, like I said, the DNA results are not in yet. All right, well, we're waiting for that. You know, we have a lot of miscellaneous things on today's show. Uh, let's go to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh. a good week last week for President Barack Obama, who was officially re-elected for his second term after a meeting of the Electoral College, where he picked up 332 electoral votes to Mitt Romney's 206. 
Apparently, three Republican electors from Arizona, however, registered objections, insisting that Obama had never submitted a, quote, legitimate, unquote, birth certificate. My understanding is that the electors are supposed to vote (laughs) according to what their state actually voted, but that they sometimes don't, which does allow, you know, some yokel poorly chosen to cause a constitutional crisis if you weren't careful. And attention, Arizona electors. The president was born in Honolulu. This has been well established, unlike your qualifications to be a presidential elector. Speaking of the election, it was a bad week last week for conservative spending. After Mitt Romney's presidential campaign was challenged by nine media organizations over, quote, exorbitant charges, unquote, to reporters covering the campaign. Apparently, the campaign charged reporters up to $812 for a single meal and a place to file their stories, along with $1,000 for a seat on the bus. To which we would add, uh, at this point, we're glad that uh, Mitt Romney is now working for the Marriott Hotel chain, instead of uh, preparing to move into the Oval Office. And by the way, when we express an opinion like that, we do want to note that it, like all opinions heard on this show, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And Radio Parallax has no information on what kind of meal you got on the Romney campaign for $812. We presume it was not a happy meal. And Mr. Miller, we need some appropriate music for this entry. Yes, it was an ugly week a couple weeks back for the Olympic tradition with the news that three-time Olympian Susie Faber-Hamilton said that she coped with depression and a troubled marriage by turning to prostitution. In a series of posts to her Twitter account, Favor Hamilton acknowledged she's been working as an escort following a report Thursday on the Smoking Gun website. Favor Hamilton tweeted, I do not expect people to understand, but the reasons for doing this made sense to me at the time and were very much related to depression. It provided an escape from a life that I was struggling in. It was a double life. One of the country's best middle-distance runners, Favor Hamilton, competed in the U- competed for the U.S. at the Olympics in 92, 96, and 2000, but did not medal. A website reported that Favor Hamilton worked under the alias Kelly Lundy, but said she told some of her clients about her true identity and suspect that one of them leaked her story. Favor Hamilton told the smoking gun her husband was aware of her escort work, and he tried to get me to stop. Noting what perhaps should have been our quote of the day, quote, he wasn't supportive of this at all, unquote. And in uh, another remarkable quote from the world of sports, we have this. Apparently Lance Armstrong's former physician, Michelle Ferrari, said he never saw the Olympic cyclist doping. Apparently the Italian doctor told Al Jazeera, I've never seen, I've never heard something about that. He never asked me for information about doping. We understand that he is shocked, shocked to hear about this doping. And although we do have our fun with the Only in America file, let's pick on some other people at first, starting with the perhaps Only in Australia file, from which we have this item. Apparently an Australian court has ruled that a bureaucrat who was injured while having sex on a business trip is eligible for workman's compensation benefits. Yes, evidently a federal court down under ruled in favor of the woman who cannot be identified for legal reasons, ending a five-year legal battle. 
The woman woman was apparently hospitalized after being injured in 2007 during sex with a male friend while staying in a motel in the town of Naura, south of Sydney. During the sex, a glass light fitting was torn down from its mount above the bed and landed on her face, injuring her nose and mouth. She later suffered depression and was unable to continue working for the government. This might be time for a gentle public service announcement on this show. We would like to point out that if you are having sex with a friend while on a business trip, please do not tear the glass light fittings from their mounts. You know, sometimes in these matters, it just takes just a bit of common sense. How about this item from the Only in Turkey file? Apparently a growing number of Middle Eastern men are undergoing surgical hair transplants to attain the thick, luxurious mustaches, which are seen as symbols of virility and maturity. Apparently one Turkish plastic surgeon reports that he now performs about 60 of the $7,000 transplants a month in which hair is moved from the scalp to the upper lip. Attention, Tom Selleck. And from the Only in America file, we have this. A New York judge has ruled against a man who claimed he shouldn't be liable for the $28,000 he spent in one night at a strip club. William Ilg has claimed the staff at the Hustler Club got him so drunk that he became, quote, no longer capable of conducting transactions, unquote. For his part, the judge ruled that the club has no duty to protect plaintiff from the results of his intoxication. And finally, from the only in France, although in a way this item could have application to America in the wake of all of our uh, dithering over such things as the unfair death tax. But at any rate, back in France, actor Gerard Depardieu has set off a firestorm after moving just across the border to Belgium in a huff. He's trying to escape France's recent large tax hike. In a scathing open letter to the French government, Depardieu, the acclaimed actor and member of the French Legion of Honor, said he'd paid $190 million in income taxes over 45 years and could not tolerate the new top rate of 75%. He charged the new socialist government with believing that success, creation, talent must be punished. He said he was considering renouncing his French citizenship. Rather predictably, the French Prime Minister Jean-Marc Auriat called the actor's departures unpatriotic and pathetic. While Labor Minister Michel Sapien said he was exhibiting a form of personal degeneration. Well, maybe so, but 75% seems a bit stiff to us. All right, let's take a short break. We got lots of stuff to talk about, and talk about it we shall do. Listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. There's one for you. 